0: Welcome to episode 21 of All's Fair in Love and Film, a film review podcast where we review our DVD collection in alphabetical order. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And this week we're going to be talking about The Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, both directed by the Russo brothers.
1: Yeah, I know this is definitely one of your favorites.
0: Oh my god, yeah. I'm I'm such a nerd for these films. I love them. I mean, on the one hand, uh, the cynic in me knows that If you have enough money to throw at a project, which is pretty much what's happened with this project, you can achieve anything. The other uncynical part of me just loves it, laps it up.
1: I mean, like the deep cinephile in me is like, part of me like really hates it. Part of me really loves it because in some ways it's almost like the death of like smaller, smaller, like more indie kind of films because th- they really can't compete with this economically
0: well yeah the mcu has dominated
1: yeah. since
0: the first iron man was such a success they've had their you know ups and downs like the thor movies up to you know ragnarok didn't do great but you know as soon as the first avengers film was out that in 2012 i believe that was pretty much it yeah for them uh the mcu just kind of dominating the big budget kind of box office hits uh, of the past kind of 10 years really yeah. culminating of course in endgame which came out in 2019
1: uh before we get into it we do have some housekeeping though
0: yes uh as anyone who listens may have noticed we have stopped posting our episodes on fridays and are instead aiming to post them on saturdays or, of or sundays or sundays uh, i'd like to try and stick to saturdays but um yeah, so we're posting at weekends now. Our kind of midweek schedule just got too busy. We just couldn't fit in kind of recording time and posting time and everything like that. Um, so we're going to be posting on weekends from now on. And uh, apologies for kind of not making that clearer sooner. But uh, we kind of hadn't decided what was going on yet. And we have just kind of recently decided that this is how we're going to do things going forward. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to back to the Avengers. So, Ryan, what is your history with these films?
1: I mean, I definitely saw both of the, these in the cinema with you. Like, yep. That, that's, that's pretty much...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, two films that came out, 2018 and 2019, there's yeah. not a lot of history to be had. I will say, though... Um, the day that both of these came out on dvd i went to a shop and purchased them to add them to our dvd collection
1: yeah i i, I distinctly remember going to, when we went to the shop and you're like oh see it i'm mine. having
0: that yeah which yeah. I, i've got to say not an urge i had with the two earlier avengers movies because uh, as people listening may notice we're not covering uh the original avengers 2012 or age of ultron because we don't have them on dvd um yeah. Age of Ultron wasn't my favourite and I just, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe the original Avengers was on Netflix or something because I just never, never collected it. But I, I took to these movies as soon as I saw them in cinema and, you know, as soon as they came out on DVD, it was like, yes, I want to have these in my DVD collection and I want to watch them again immediately, multiple times. So I've seen it a lot of times since buying yeah. it <laughs> i've seen this film so many times um we're gonna structure today's episode a little differently aren't we
1: yeah but i think we're gonna instead of going on an overall like linear like point by point uh read through of the film where i think we're gonna go a little bit more discussing certain aspects of the films that we did, we did really like
0: yeah i mean it's such a popular film that a lot of people kind of know the story beats by now and um also, it's two films and it's six hours of content or more. Uh, So to discuss it kind of beat by beat would take us all day. And it's not something that we uh want to invest that much time in. So I, I think I, we're well, just going to do a kind of grab bag of, of highlights, really, and uh, discuss kind of the things we like, the things we didn't like, and um kind of leave it at that for our Avengers Double Bill special.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do feel like it's because it's the end of a very long saga as well like it's all the characters are very established in other films it's it's kind of hard to kind of build all that context into like a really good thing yeah i mean we um, got
0: into this discussion a little bit um during our aquaman episode didn't we the the amount of work that the mcu have put in up to this point to establish those characters and when i was kind of thinking over like talking points earlier especially like character related or plot related uh, kind of talking points it's so I think this is probably a fairly good place to start it's really hard to talk about these films as individuals or even as a pair yeah because not only does so much it is a quadrilogy of itself but even to, if we were talking about all four Avengers movies it would still be difficult to talk about it without bringing in other films from the franchise and um, how many films is the mcu up to at the point where avengers comes out
1: i think uh, so far that's been released it's like 23
0: so yeah we're this is the culmination of 23 feature length films since the first iron man comes out in what 2008 yeah, yeah so since 2000 between 2008 and 2019 you have 23 films come out and this is all of that energy and effort and story and character development culminating uh in one well in two really epic huge action movies well i
1: mean even between these two films you've got what ant-man and the uh, ant-man and the wasp and um captain marvel Marvel. i mean
0: yeah yeah. and then that adds so much uh, so many extra kind of layers for the for end game as well it's it's a lot, and so it's it's a whole lot to talk about. But um, it's
1: a very very woven web of of story and uh, yeah. and, and content and context. It's, for sure, it's for very, sure. very very difficult to separate it.
0: Yeah, so um, we're gonna we're gonna do our best, and I'm gonna just come out and say I'm gonna try not to be too enamored while we're talking about these films because I love them absolutely love them i get completely sucked in by them every time uh whereas i think you uh, are a little more cynical of them but still very much enjoy them um so i guess one of the things i like about this and about the kind of general like later days of the mcu movies is moments of levity that it brings in so it really gives me a feel for like taking different flavors of other MCU movies and bring them all together for this because obviously Thor Ragnarok came in right near the end and kind of punched the MCU in the face with this absolutely kind of hilarious flick and that elements of that are sprinkled throughout this even though it's meant to be a very like kind of serious movie it even from the off when Thor is being dragged along as his ship is being destroyed by Thanos he even says like you really are the worst brother, you know. During a really yeah. serious scene, he brings in all these moments of levity, and I, I really enjoy that about these well, films.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, the, the earliest like MCU films were very much, I think, trying to establish themselves as kind of like serious, uh, serious cinema and serious like like they were effectively the anchor for the whole th- For the whole yeah. thing, so as the MCU's grown, I, I think like there's been a greater like there's been greater room for that levity and i think where they've just taken that levity because i think everyone is so uh, like familiar with the characters and context you can get away with it and, and it and it doesn't yeah. and it doesn't seem as like out of the blue and it doesn't seem out of character for them it just seems yeah. very like okay kind of y- y- you almost feel like you're getting a bit more character uh, you're getting more character development and it's humanizing them to a greater degree yeah
0: i definitely agree with that but again like you've got to bring this to a bigger conversation of the mcu in general because as you say those first films had to be established as like more serious action films for the whole genre to then be taken seriously yeah and then i think they kind of swung too far the other way when you hit like thor the dark world age of ultron you've got they're a bit on the side of Grimdark kind of thing. And then they realise that that's not working because I think those are some of their lowest rated kind of films of the franchise. And then with these ones, they're taking a massive backswing. And I love that um, these films exactly like, the the characters know what film they're in. You know, this is absurd. Like the the fight scene in Infinity War where um, it's Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Tony Stark is like fully playing the kind of like, the kind of audience skeptic role because Spider-Man's like, you know, gets into it, takes it all seriously, like, Mr. Stark, what's the situation? And he goes, "Um, that is a man from space. He's trying to get a necklace from a wizard. And it's just like, I love how at every point the characters know exactly how absurd the film is. But it's, the script is just written so well that you can have those moments of like levity and fun. But then when it's, even though it's like, oh, there's a crazy space alien that wants to blow up the world, you can still, like, it's still, like, tense, and it's still, like, oh, my God, and, and, you know, you can t- yeah. still take it very seriously. You can still have these very moving moments for the characters, but because they've established that, like, oh, we know this absurd world we're in, it, like, kind of tricks you into being drawn in, almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of going... I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I do think, like, kind of, c- when you compare it to um the dc universe you you just kind of have this like lack of kind of like you just get this like complete lack of of awareness and i i think that that really kind of like like like, i'm really glad we watched oh thank thank the alphabet for like (laughs) and our dvd collection for where like we're watching them kind of really close together you can kind of really do a good comparison of like the context and 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 you kind of realize, wow they've like really baked in so much content into these films and so much like you've you've got such a big mythos and such a like established feeling to every single character you get like a fully flushed out story to every character like you like they almost seem like okay they're your friends you know but but with the dc stuff it's just like you're just given this oh this is an idol this is what this is what they do you don't get any actual context and stuff like that and y- you made a comment earlier about like oh yeah um th- w- this is what you can do with all that money i mean i'm sure justice league had just as much money they couldn't do half the shit that they did with this
0: so. yeah i mean this is true like marvel put in the work like iron man walked so avengers could run kind of thing marvel put in the work but each you know film that they subsequently released got a higher budget and a higher budget and a higher budget and not only have you know a lot of other films um that may have the potential to be just as good like don't have the budget dc is not the dc universe movies maybe not ones that fall into this category um um they just like, they haven't done the work. They have like, the MCU has the money and they've put in 10 years of work, as we've said already. Um, DC just, they haven't put the work into establishing these characters. But what I find really interesting is, you know, the Dark Knight films, what came out um in the time when like those grimdark superhero movies were all all the rage kind of thing, and they were really successful
1: they were really good as well they were really good i mean the christopher
0: nolan batman movies are great and they're probably the best movies that dc have put out in ever ever to me really yeah um but you can see the dc kind of cinematic universe trying to emulate the marvel cinematic universe you've got uh justice league coming out at like a similar time to uh, the, the Avengers movies and then you've got Aquaman coming out and they're trying to be like um, add that levity you know they give Aquaman they give Jason Momoa a lot of funny lines but because he at no point do the characters like stress the absurdity of their situation even though Arthur is like you know a man who lives on the land and is a cynic and is all this, as soon as they tell him that, you know, oh, your underwater kingdom of Atlantis where we ride on hammerhead sharks and where armor made of coral is in danger and you must come save it, he is straight in and he's like, yes, this is the most serious issue ever. Whereas the MCU, by kind of lightly poking fun at itself, doesn't really leave room for the audience to poke fun at it because it's not... Like, at the moments where it can have that levity, it's not taking itself too seriously. And then because you've grown to know and love these characters so well, by the time they've done that pivot to make you, like, make the film more serious and have those more serious scenes and have the more serious tone, the story can be as absurd as it likes because it is a very absurd story. You still are rooting for the protagonist and... Are invested in their success, well, despite it, it, knowing it's this crazily absurd situation.
1: Yeah, it's like you are saying that it, it, they identify. You identify more with the with the character, you know, like the, yeah. the character in the Marvel universe, and it, it's. well I mean, kind of going into a little bit more of the cinematography of it, like oh, yeah. the cinematography, like really does support that though, because it's it's very much every single shots all the shots in these films are like specifically the very large shots like th- like you're meant to get a lot of information in each single shot they're all very much either done to make the character look either taller or more imposing you know like or like they they play to the mood of, of the film so much better yeah. than
0: like, it, I, I guess, it, like, when you like, when you want Robert Downey Jr. to be taken seriously, we get a kind of panning shot looking up at Iron Man as his armour all closes over him. But then when you've got, like, a kind of funny exchange between, um, you know, like, Star-Lord and Thor, they're both very much, it's like, very much like a two-shot with them kind of looking at each other, like, eye to eye. And it kind of is more panned down because you're looking, yeah. it's like a more comedic scene. And every single thing is done deliberately. But again... This is where the cynic in me, just for the purpose of the podcast, feels like she has to come out and say, "If you can afford to hire the best cinematographers in the game, that's what you're going to get." Like so much money was thrown at this film because Disney is the biggest entertainment company that there is now. Um, it like they're gonna get results. So it's kind of I love these movies, but it's really hard for me to give them. You know, lavish amounts of credit because, yeah. of course, they were going to do well. There was no way, after ten years of making these movies, there was no way they were going to fail.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like realistically, it's 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 a safer bet than the stock market. If you were to invest in oh, these God, films, yeah. you would have been fucking golden by yeah. now. Like, if I could go to, if I could go back, well, I wouldn't have been eight even eighteen yet then, but. Yeah. I, w- I would have invested in that. Should have, would have, could have. Yeah, exactly.
0: Should have, would have, could have. Who yeah. could have foreseen that uh, the drawing of a cartoon mouse piloting a steamboat could have led us here? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um I want to get more into the kind of like minutia of like certain scenes and things I like because for me, Infinity War like starts really strong. We get this kind of you're already at a low point. Um, The sequence where they're, like, shortly after this, very early on in the film, where, again, the one that I mentioned already, where it's the children of Thanos, Ebony Moore, um, fighting the wizards and uh, Iron Man and um, Spider-Man. I love how much movement they get into that sequence. Everything is moving. So, like, New York being this really busy city. There are people. There are cars. The buildings are moving. The, like the combatants are moving they're changing scenes constantly it's it's so dynamic was, yeah. i'm really impressed with that scene i love it
1: i mean like that it's a really really good um use of camera movement to just it it, it it's it's so immersive much more immersive than like even the um the earlier like i mean if you really think about it, each kind of uh, marvel superhero kind of has kind of a different like there's almost like characteristic shots for each of the each of the superheroes and stuff like that with yeah with tony it's it, with, with iron man it's very much kind of up kind of like kind of turning uh, turning slightly but kind of coming always up, up his up, body up, up, as up his is, armor goes on yeah yeah like you always get those shots superhero or shots from above where he's like or or the side or slightly to the side as he's kind of moving forward you get those in every single iron man film which yeah. is understandable but with like Stephen Strange, you get always get these like shots where you're just kind of seeing his like shoulders, and then just kind of moving right up to his, his eye level. Like you get both of those in that scene, but it definitely has like a very Iron Man kind of flair to it because I think it's really trying to I uh, like highlight Iron Man as in that scene. You know?
0: Yeah, and That's I, w- really I cool. would definitely agree. Like not just the shots of the characters, which I'm completely on board with you there that like they very much have a oh this is Iron Man's kind of superhero moment and that like panning shot up his armoured, you know, body is reflected in like every film he's in. But also the kinds of scenes we're used to seeing these characters fight in, we usually get like the last time we saw kind of Iron Man fighting in a big city like this was the um the New York fight in the Avengers uh 2012. So but he's it's so different and they've like he's usually filmed you know blowing stuff up in the air you know chasing military jets it's a much more kind of aerial combat almost dogfight kind of style whereas Stephen Strange is the more like monk kind of wizard like buildings are changing shape and he's running and using the landscape and so you get much more detailed kind of on the on the scene, on this kind of scenery around him. Whereas when Tony Stark is, you know, fighting as Iron Man, the the kind of backdrop is more incidental. He's not like, it's like, oh, he crashes into a building rather than, is fighting in a certain way because of the building, sort of thing. But I thought during that scene they did such a good job of blending those two films. Those oh, two things. Very much so. When Stephen Strange is kind of confronting Ebony Moore, you get the um the bricks kind of moving and and the lamp, the lamppost bending and everything kind of flying past him, like you would see in a Doctor Strange movie. But then that is also Fitting around Iron Man as he's trying to fight, kind of the big like son of Thanos kind of guy, and I think they do again throughout the these two movies, they do a really good job of blending those the characters' fighting styles and the
1: cinematography. Yeah, and in, the, in, well, even those, the scenery yeah. styles because
0: yeah. you get different like like I was just saying, you get different yeah. scenery styles for every character, and they do a really good job of blending those into different scenes. Um, and I just I really like I like I always think there's every one of the Avengers movies has a kind of like smaller fight scene and then the big fight scene at the end they always have that one kind of really impressive sequence and i think for this one for me it's it's this this fight scene just before they kind of jet into space it's pretty crazy i love it
1: yeah i definitely agree with that um kind of going slightly away from the story i kind of really really liked the props and the kind of the whole set design in this film a lot like this one in an Endgame. So much more than I liked most of the preceding ones, like the the costuming. Like for like, I really liked the uh, like Ebony Ma and the um and the other like Children of Thanos. Like the way that they were done up, that was really cool. Yeah, they look
0: so so good. I I
1: also really liked um oh what's uh, what's his face um Bucky's Bucky's new outfit. Oh, the uh, the new arm. Yeah, Yeah, the new arm. That
0: bit, the reveal of that as well. The way they do it, the kind of like. Uh, as um, the kind of music that accompanies that and um, T'Challa's like seriousness, you know, uh, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman and everything like that. It still makes me sad seeing him on screen, uh, knowing that we're not going to get any more uh, Black Panther films from him. But um, that's a really great, it's a very short scene. Again, this is what this film does really good, really well. And this is how to do an ensemble cast film. You, they make these very short scenes very impactful by making them very like look very dynamic look very unique from you know the scene that's just preceded it and they manage to because you know the characters because they have put the work in you like with very short lines of dialogue you understand what is being said what will happen next and what that means to um to these characters and i think that's really important with these little scenes like that one with um kind of bucky and and t'challa there that's yeah that's huge. And again, to I'm sorry, I hate to like draw it out again. And I'm going to take it back to like, it's just, I think with, I, I keep drawing back out to the whole MCU, but it's like I was saying earlier with Iron Man's like fighting style, right? We're used to seeing him dogfight. We're used to seeing him next to actual, you know, military jets like we would see in the sky in our world. Iron Man fits into the real world quite well. However, characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy and these much more fantastical villains like uh, the Children of Thanos don't. So by having these, the more recent films, with the exception maybe of Ant-Man and the Wasp, you've got, you know, Captain Marvel, the kind of newer Guardians of the Galaxy films, Thor Ragnarok being all the kind of space ones. I think it's sort of it change the kind of even the colors change the props get more unrealistic and everything is more fantastical mm. and i think it's sort of prepping the audience for these films when all the characters are brought together to have that more fantastical edge yeah, yeah. and when i kind of think about it i don't know if i really like it cuz like you said i love the costuming the props and the look and everything about it but even you know like the buildings and streets of new york in this movie because there is a giant spaceship there and you don't want it to look crazily incongruous because it has to be feasible that these things exist in the same universe you have to shift like earth kind of has to be turned up to 11 whereas in your like iron man films he's up against everything that looks very realistic and very grounded and it's kind of so they've done this shift throughout several movies and i don't know like now that i'm kind of reflecting on it do I prefer it being this more fantastical kind of coloring and and props and costumes, or do I prefer it when it's like, oh, these people are like wearing all these crazy things and having all these crazy powers, but it's grounded against all this kind of more realistic looking stuff?
1: I think it's, I think it's meant to kind of really go with the stakes, like the increasing stakes of uh, yeah. the situation. And I, I I get what you're saying, but I do think. I think it's yeah, it is just very very tied into those that that, yeah, it's tied into the raising of stakes, and I do think yeah. that like as as things have like kind of been ad- advanced, like as soon as you hit the first um, Avengers film, you you got the influence of, of like the other worlders, you know, like uh, Thanos' soldiers and stuff like that. Yeah. So you, you you've kind of already that's kind of, that's changed the whole game. And, and that was kind of what the whole second phase was really meant to Yeah, to, I, I do show, get that. But, but, but the third phase, you know, it, yeah. it heightens it even further, you know.
0: I do get that. But, like, the, the kind of attack on New York sequence, like, yes, you see a lot of aliens and a lot of, like, crazy, like, vehicles and stuff that are all from outer space. But because of the way those are, like, colored and structured, you they're a lot, they're less detailed and they're not, like this all this kind of very bright very sci-fi yeah okay they are very sci-fi but it because they're like in darker colors and they're emulating you know the um the ships from from that Avengers film are like emulating like whales swimming and things like that and the aliens themselves have much more vague kind of facial features and things like that yeah. so they've they've used kind of they've scaled back the color and and things like that to this darker palette and New York itself looks more grounded in reality. It's got a bit more of a kind of duller color palette, whereas, again, everything's kind of a bit more oversaturated in these later films. Oh. Again, I think this is me just trying to find something that I may have a problem with about these films so that I'm not completely sucked into the Disney, like, <laughs> Disney everything, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually don't really know what you're talking about in terms of like the like to me it doesn't seem oversaturated the only thing that kind of seems slightly oversaturated and that's possibly due to maybe they decided to grade the grass a slight like they did a slightly different color grade on the grass and stuff like that but it like i don't think that the color contrast is as drastic as you yeah. you, 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 th- you think it is i mean i think it's definitely in space like like w- yeah. when they're in, when they're in space that's kicked up to fucking 12 yeah. but then then again i think you do kind of need to differentiate those 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 realms effectively cuz you know you've you've got the you've got the you've got various like realms like spider-man his is very much neighborhood you know it's like various tiers no i understand
0: that like that's the kind of concept from the comics i guess maybe like oversaturated was probably the wrong word like i'm not a photography or you know filmography or cinematography expert i think i guess it's like i get the same kind of vibe from the doctor strange movies as soon as they have the buildings kind of flying apart and 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 folding up and, and changing in space and things The colours look slightly, a little bit uncanny valley, not quite real to me. And again, it's an absurd movie. Of course, it's going to be fantastical. Of course, it's going to be sci-fi. But I think because a lot more of it is like, you know, CGI, and it's a lot less kind of, oh, that is actually a helicopter shot of New York. I think just that difference between those two things is what I'm noticing.
1: Yeah, The. does that's, that make sense that's fair yeah and I, also
0: because you're introducing these like the cosmic level heroes like the guardians of the galaxy and their like cosmic level enemies to earth you have to slightly dial earth up in kind of terms of looking a bit more to colorful bridge the, bridge and, the gap yeah, yeah to bridge the gap because otherwise like star lord landing on earth is gonna look weird you know
1: yeah i i i feel like in the the in in endgame you know when uh, you know you you've, you get the bits where, uh, the scene where uh rocket and uh nebula land on the on the planet like it, it didn't seem out of out of sorts it did like i don't know it's it, it's like I, I guess it's yeah See, i get maybe uh, i mean the, the, mm. the, 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 i i think what you're maybe getting at is it feels a lot more drastic in terms of like like I, i've been like it feels more showy yeah uh, and, maybe and, that's and, what and, i'm and, getting and, at and, and that's like but that's kind of the whole point of ebony moss character and like he's very much a showman he's very much a uh, he, like uh, i mean i
0: would actually like to talk about ebony yeah. more if i may
1: yeah go ahead
0: just because like when i again when i was trying to watch this film to find something that i didn't like about it the only other thing other than this kind of like Oh, everything's a bit too CGI sort of thing was that Thanos's character insofar as he is a kind of a character is radically different from the first scene to later scenes he's very consistent later as soon as we see him interact with Gamora he's kind of like a consistent like grounded character he's like a crazy politician basically but in the first scene where he's destroyed Thor's ship, Ebony Moore is like so OTT. He's this showman character. He's using this very flowery language. He's kneeling. He's giving, offering the the Power Stone to you know it's the um Space Stone to Thanos, and he's it's very kind of like ostentatious and like this very fantastical kind of almost like medieval style prose. The Thanos that we sort of get to know later in the film would have told him to shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: honestly, Thanos, yeah, he's this, like, cosmic level, really, like, like, absurdist villain. He's an alien from space, for God's sake. But the things we learn about him later is that, you know, he's he was involved in politics on his like homeworld. nobody agreed with him so he decided he was going to do it by force and he's got a weird kind of warped love for his daughter Gamora and he we learned that he you know has emotions and as you know right at the beginning of, of Endgame um as Rhodey points out he has a retirement plan and everything like this he's he's a character that I think you know Similarly to, like, Killmonger in Black Panther, you're sort of meant to go, well, you know, overpopulation is a problem. Maybe he does have a point. So they have to make him more of a person to, like, make you think that. Of course, he's this crazy, absurdist, you know, turned up to 11 villain. But at the start of the film, he's not that. He's this, he's he's definitely, like, the bad guy. And it's like he's speaking like he knows he's the bad guy. Whereas for the rest of the film, it's like... No, 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 I think I'm doing the right thing. But it's like, in that first scene, you were definitely a bastard. Yeah. And Ebony Moore was like, like the reason I was like, oh yes, I want to talk about Ebony Moore was because the way that at that point that character was talking to Thanos really highlighted that it was meant to be this kind of very grandiose relationship, which Thanos immediately dispenses with. And I'm just like, he would have just been like, You're being really OTT, shut up.
1: Yeah, well I mean, I guess to me, Ebony Ma just as soon as he, he's introduced, uh, introduced, I, I actually kind of wish he was in a previous film because he is very much a kind of a throwaway character in this film. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, he, he, he has a very clear use in the narrative, but I feel like he would have been a much stronger villain if he had been introduced in a previous film, like if there had been a second Doctor Strange film and maybe like that would have actually been kind of cool, like them fighting each oh, other yeah. on, on, on that, like, and he kind of had been introduced to him beforehand, that would have been
0: Yeah, I mean, cool. where I yeah. can see him fitting in earlier in the franchise is when um, Thanos allows Loki to use his army to attack Earth in Avengers, if Ebony Moore had sort of been through the portal, like watching and then you just see him go, like, when Loki starts to fail, just be, like, disappointing. And then he flies off and escapes and reports back to Thanos. That would have been a good introduction to the character. Then, like, later when um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first film, when all the Ronan the Avenger stuff is going down. Ronan the Avenger? Ronan the Accuser. Jesus Christ. He's not an Avenger. Okay. Although, imagine the film if he had been. Oh, uh, I mean, Ronan we- the Accuser stuff going down. Like, having Ebony more kind of, like, B... Like one of Thanos' envoys to Ronan would have been more interesting, and like, and then you've got these two kind of mystical type characters like circling this universe. And then in Infinity War, Doctor Strange and Ebony Moore like face off, maybe that would have been a better way of doing it. Yeah, he's definitely like a very menacing, with especially with the like whispery voice and the very like, oh, I'm going to sound so reasonable all the time. Yeah, makes him quite scary. I like it.
1: Yeah, Uh, that. That is quite cool. I mean, going back to Ronan the Accuser, I mean, he it, like Lee Pace could play fucking anybody. He's he's I he's like that Lee good. I Pace. I mean, I kinda, <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I think he would have actually made a pretty pretty good uh, Bruce Bruce Banner in really? a way. Yeah, yeah. You think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. If you think about him
0: in like Pushing Daisies, yeah, I just think it's funny that it's, he he's um you know these very serious characters. He's uh Thranduil in Lord of the R- in in the Hobbit, and then he's uh Ronan the accuser, but the thing thing that I saw him in first was pushing daisies. So <laughs> he's a same. man who makes pies. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very cute. Anyway, um what is your favorite like scene in Infinity War?
1: Oh God. Oh I would probably have to say the penultimate battle scene like the, the battle scene of all of them charging across um the the battlefield in Wakanda. and, and uh, yeah and, and Wakanda and Thor just kind of arriving, arriving with a hammer, uh, with that, with his his axe. I will say my least favorite scene in this whole fucking film, and my least favorite addition, is the whole spe- scene at the at the space forge with um like the the whole dialogue between Thor and uh, and Peter Dinklage just felt super super super. Awkward and just the the pacing just felt off. It it, it like it it, it just kind of yeah. feels like it, it was like she warned in, yeah. And it it like I love Peter Dinklage to fucking death, but my God, like like I don't think this does good to show his acting chops. And I I, yeah. I, I, I it just felt like a like, definitely a, like almost like a, just a bit of a cameo, and like it was I don't know, it like
0: like I can completely get where you're coming from because. It's a really like sticky bit because it's a completely essential like part of the comics and it's essential to have it in the films because then Thor gets this axe and because it's Marvel and Disney they're going to like cast an incredible actor to play this role so Peter Dinklage is is in the movie but then they have to because he's like such a big actor because of like his role in Game of Thrones and stuff they have to give him lots of lines and a lot of them just come out a bit weird. The dialogue doesn't flow very naturally between...
1: It it just seems really uh, jolted. Yeah, it it just... just...
0: It kind of added a bit of, like... Just a weird kind of tone to what would otherwise be, you know, the adventures of, of Thor, Rocket and Groot, which was meant to be, like, a fun little romp. And then it's got this very dark, very kind of, like, painful you know situation for this for this dwarf um who is you know has had his hands like encased in metal and it's very awful very like dark turn I'm, I'm not against kind of comic characters coming up against dark things in this film like that's fine but it just again the dialogue between them didn't it was very stilted yeah like you said i just the dialogue didn't massively work for me but what i will say if we don't have the kind of nidavellir scene we don't get the visual of thor like opening the the thing um to and having the star like shoot through him the visual of that is incredible i love yeah, it yeah
1: I, I i would agree with that but i guess it's just like they could have tightened this scene up they could have like made you could, they they could have had far better dialogue if it had better dialogue the, the scene would have been Substantially better, yeah. Also,
0: I think they told they they told Peter Dinklage use your Tyrion Lannister voice, and then we'll use, um, we'll just amp it up electronically afterwards. And it doesn't sound good.
1: Yeah, like it. It just it kind of takes you out of the 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 moment, and it kind of like it. Yeah, it does kind of. Oh, it's like oh, why is Tyrion Lannister here? Yeah, Yeah, like and and that's kind of it was disorienting and. Not in a constructive way to the film. Yeah. I mean, like but his yeah.
0: voice just kind of sounds a bit out of place, which I I get what you mean with that completely.
1: Yeah. So, what was your favorite and your least favorite fil- part Infinity of the film? Infinity War specifically. Yes.
0: Okay. Infinity War specifically. I love, as we've said a couple of times already, I've I've hashed over the scene a lot. The um, the part where uh the the f- first like fight scene. I. Also really love um, the bit on uh, Thanos' homeworld on Titan when they come up with the plan uh, and they all like work in tandem because what we've seen in this film, like this film, Infinity War, is the story of all of these powerful people who we've got to the point, their characters have been basically like, say you're playing a video game and you level up the character to the point where anything you play in the game you can beat. This is where all of our characters are at and they do this amazing thing of shooting kind of Tony Stark into space and taking away his kind of comrades and also um, Edith, his, his like AI. So he's kind of back to being like a scrappy underdog with limited resources. And also at multiple points, we can, we see all these characters unable to work together. Um, and then we see them finally be able to work together and then, Star-Lord ruins everything, which frustrates me to no end. uh, I I can see it so many times. And that part where he starts vamping and gloating instead of, like, helping frustrates me every time. But I think Infinity War is a story of heroes that are not used to losing, losing multiple times. Like, we know they all lose at the end when the snap happens. But actually, if you watch the film more closely, like, there are many, many like micro losses throughout there is not a single part of this film where they win but they never like because they're so used to winning they're like well this is just the low point this is just the low point before we win this is what happens in every film we've been in so far there is a low point and then we win and seeing it culminate in a in yet another loss i just i think that's really cool and that scene for me really encapsulates that kind of mood yeah yeah um my least favorite scene it's my least favorite scene. Hmm. I probably have to agree with like the um Nidovaler stuff with because the the weird like modulation they do on Peter Dinklage's voice does throw you out of it a bit. Um but then there are so many good moments in that as well. Oh, I'll tell you what my least favorite scene is when they go to nowhere and there's that whole scene played out uh, with Thanos and um Benicio, Benicio yeah. del Toro's character and it turns out it's 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 like the cop out of oh it was all a dream but it's like in fact it's oh it's all the reality stone. Yeah, I also that really was kind like I also really like the bit where Thanos gets the soul stone um and the kind of he go and oh no it's after the snap. He goes back to the place that he where he got the soul stone and talks to young gomora again that's really moving i really yeah really like that scene as well
1: i another scene i really like from um uh the uh infinity war was uh the bit where they where uh the guardians find thor and yeah (laughs) it's just like peter quell is just like comparing himself to him and it's just yeah. super fucking awkward and it's just like all right i'm gonna get a fucking bow <laughs> yeah, like, i'm
0: gonna get some dumbbells i love the bit of rocket you, you can't eat a dumbbell. You, can't, you know you can't eat a dumbbell <laughs> well i really yeah. like that because it's the most comedic movies in the franchise meeting in this yeah. perfect way because they're both set in space they're both like with thor ragnarok and both the guardians movies being the most comedic ones and then they they meet in this kind of perfect storm of of yeah you know misunderstanding i think it's brilliant okay. we haven't talked a lot about endgame
1: <laughs> i mean to be fair it's it's kind of a bit um that film blurs a lot more into one to me yeah because it's very much just constant action from pretty much start to finish you, from the get-go you really don't sure. get a um a respite from it i mean the only kind of really big like Points points of interest to me in that film were like you you get the like dark hawk you get dark hawk high which yeah. is is pretty cool. I he goes like, by Ron, Ron, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he goes by ronin in part of this film. I mean not dissimilar from ronin the accuser, accuser. But
0: yeah, I don't I I didn't pick up on that at all. Like, did you have to look that up or because I don't remember them saying it in the movie?
1: I, but I, I I believe it was said very 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 briefly. Um, okay fair but, enough i mean the i did kind of like the whole time travel paradoxy kind of thing i that, really that like did, but, it but,
0: it draws together a lot of tropes i love from sci-fi kind of thing <laughs>
1: i do love that the um like the that whole scene with um roadie uh, and uh and men okay being like you're gonna fuck stuff up if you go back in time. This is what not what you do. And they're like, they list like, all the movies. And they're like, that's not how it works. Hot
0: tub time machine, A Wrinkle in Time. I love that. He's just like listing all the time travel movies. Just like, and and Nebula's
1: yeah. just like, you're an idiot.
0: Yeah, I love, I love all of this. What I love most about kind of Endgame is the odd couples that they put together to do this, like Rhodey and Nebula, like going to get the Power Stone, uh, from. Is it Morag? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And they both just look at Quill like, "Oh, so he's an idiot," and like stuff like that. And then the kind of your main like like boy squad going to New York to like during the attack and getting the stone back from Loki, and and they're just they just you're expecting them to wildly succeed, and they just utterly mess it Ca- up. They just and, completely cock it up. Yeah, well, I mean, in the best way. It's so funny.
1: Well, I mean, it, like it, it just seems a lot more. It, it feels a it, yeah it feels more like kind of like almost like a buddy cop film kind of well yes yeah, it's, it's like a yeah. heist movie yeah. but like a
0: funny heist movie yeah. this is why you like a this one the best yeah. yeah to be fair i do love heist movies can't wait to cover the italian job love it
1: yeah yeah definitely i mean it, it's kind of the other kind of bits that i really really like about this film are also just kind of they kind of do just like they they open the film with kind of like the, the aftermath of what's happened with yeah with with, um, with the blip is that what they, the, it? they yeah, call it? They call it the blip, blip. but yeah. I think
0: it only gets called that in um, Spider-Man: Homecoming. So okay. it gets dubbed the blip after, and yeah. we get references to that in Homecoming, in Wonder in Falcon and the Winter yeah. Soldier. You know, it reference all the stuff that comes after references the blip.
1: But re- regardless. Um, I do like the fact that like that they kind of deal with kind of the repercussions of that like I love the fact that that uh Steve Rogers is is running in a support group you know like yeah that that was um, was really touching because that's what Sam yeah obviously
0: Falcon would would do it's like he did a veterans support group and now becomes like a, a blip support group and yeah and again like they, they they use this this kind of slow aftermath scene to try and make Thanos sound more like a sympathetic villain because like Steve's like well I saw whales like swimming up the river and things have actually you know the the, the river is cleaner and there's more food and there's less people and that's actually a good thing um I still don't think they do that as successfully as they do with killmonger and Black Panther oh, like, oh definitely not who is so much more of like a person whereas you know Thanos is a big purple space alien but yeah, they try and make you sort of, you know, not root for the villain in the way that I could see possibly some people rooting for Killmonger. But, like, realise sort of where they're coming from. Realise that he thinks he is right in what he's doing, even though he is wildly wrong. Um, but, yeah, anyway... Um, There's been a lot of that. So I'm going to jump around in Endgame a bit because I'm just going to talk about bits as they sort of come to me. So uh, a moment that's got like a lot of flack kind of from this film for being, you know, very corporate feminism is the, uh, the kind of very brief scene we get during the final battle where all of the female heroes come together to um, get the gauntlet from Peter Parker and help uh, Captain Marvel blast through to get the gauntlet to where it needs to go. And it's that that scene of kind of oh oh, it's all the girls like getting together has got, yeah, a lot of shit online and stuff for being like, oh, it's just so fakey and all the g- they're just trying too hard to appeal to women. Not gonna lie. I loved it. By the time you were like sucked into that battle scene, So many cool like vignettes are happening and so many big power moves are happening like Wonderlands on the field and kind of tears it up. And like, you know, Gamora and Nebula are kicking ass like separately. Everyone is and there's the bit with um, our three original kind of um, Thor, Captain America and Iron Man just beating on Thanos and having their weapons like bounce off each other and that. There are so many cool moments that I just think it's another cool moment. And yes, I love seeing like all the kind of female superheroes. To me, I liked it because it felt like a promise of more. It felt like this is Marvel going, okay, these are all the cool female superheroes that you've got in this series. Um, be prepared to see more of them. Or at least maybe, maybe that's me being optimistic. But what did you think about that bit? I... I-
1: to be honest, I quite liked it. Like it was just, it was it really the cool sequence. Uh, yeah, really. I mean, I, 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 yeah, maybe
0: it's a little forced. I, it's obviously very deliberate. Yeah, but I just, I still thought it was cool.
1: Yeah, it it, it was a really cool visu- Visually, I feel like they probably needed. I I feel like they could have done a little bit to kind of give it a little bit better context. I guess, like just rather it just it did kind of feel almost a little shoehorned in rather than just kind of it it here it didn't feel or like an organic kind of like scene changed like uh, like, yeah yeah. like that that's that's the issue what i
0: mean by it feels forced because what would have been cool is seeing these kind of female superheroes maybe even just in the background of other shots or in their own shots like one by one then two by two slowly coming together across the battlefield and then you see them all together whereas you get individual scenes of them all doing various kick-ass things but then all of a sudden they're all in one place across like a vast battlefield, ready to be kick ass girl unit.
1: Yeah, yeah. It it almost felt like it was kind of like filmed out of sequence. That's kind yeah. of the vibe. The, the, the vibe I got. Like, it was an awesome sequence, but
0: I still really like it. Yeah, it, I still it, think it's really cool. It's like, oh look at all these badass women that we like. And again, maybe it's me being wishful thinking, but to me it was just like one of those things where it's like, oh, this might be the next kind of generation of superheroes yeah. because uh, I think, um, you know shuri is going to be taking the mantle of black panther and then um pepper potts is like iron woman whether that's going to go anywhere i don't actually know are not they going
1: to do a valkyrie uh, yeah oh my god i love tessa thompson
0: and i love her as valkyrie i think she's brilliant and i i do wish that is another complaint i have with endgame wish valkyrie got more to do
1: yeah other than just being a, a fisher oh sure, sure. well, no, she gets the bit in Fisher the kind baby. of
0: final, final thing where she comes in riding a fucking unicorn yeah. because obviously she would be. Even though the only time we've seen her with a unicorn is in a flashback in Thor Ragnarok, yeah, so I'm not sure. You where mean she's... a Pegasus, not a unicorn.
1: Same thing. No, no. I know it's not the same <laughs> thing.
0: I'm. Re- I like. I'm massive into my mythology. It's just me being dumb. But yeah, so she comes in on a on a winged horse. Which where the hell did she get the winged horse? We didn't see any in Asgard. Like they were all killed by hella we saw in that flashback in thor ragnarok and she just has one now and she just says like i can i've got eyes on the van that you're not gonna like where it's parked oh so good yeah I just I, yeah they have some really what i love is they've got some amazing actors in this film and hopefully it'll be like career making for a lot of them hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of these say what you like about okay disney and marvel dominate the cinematic landscape at the moment and will continue to do so hopefully it will mean that other projects that they attach themselves to will get bigger and become like bigger things because they have these now very big stars in them because of the marvel universe i hope that's the legacy of the of this franchise anyway i hope it's really career making for these for these people for anyone who worked on it and that it um yeah, yeah. Uh, gives any future projects a leg up because of their because of its legacy.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, I I do kind of think the MCU might be kind of the death of like tr- traditional cinema in a way. I mean, I mean that's me being really cynical. Yeah, but I do think I mean it definitely has has its place in the wider culture, and I I do kind of like this like films have always kind of been serialized to a degree, you know? Yeah. But I feel like this does take it to a whole nother level, and yeah. which I can kind of get behind to a degree. But I do hope that this doesn't, you know, like, I guess I would like to still see more kind of artier films. Like, I guess, like, like a lot of my my personal favorites have been very much either indie films or very like gritty films that weren't like based on just like already established ip you know
0: yeah i totally get that for me it's also i think that these films have upped the ante to the point where nothing will compare because again aquaman was not a bad film but it's a superhero movie in you know 2019 of course it's going to be held to the avengers standard and a lot of action movies and films going forward are going to be held to this incredibly high standard that is, again, mostly achieved by what a huge budget can do for you. Yeah. So it does worry me because it's like, oh, audience audiences won't be thrilled anymore unless you can achieve this level of sensationalism, which a lot of things simply won't. Maybe now that it's kind of... Kind of ending, and a lot of things are coming out on streaming services now rather than you know big cinematic releases. Uh, it will start kind of you know, the Avengers wave will have ebbed temporarily, but yeah, yeah, I don't honestly think that's going to be the case. I just hope that like a lot of people making the same point we're making right now. A lot of people know and understand that the cinematic landscape is getting. Swamped by these films, yeah, and hopefully that'll mean more people will do something about it. Yeah. But, um, uh,
1: given all these points, how would you actually rate this film?
0: Oh, both of them nine, nine out of ten.
1: See, I'd probably go a little bit lower. Personally, I'd probably <laughs> go about a, probably about a seven for the first one and a nine for the second.
0: Yeah, I'd probably go eight for the first one, nine for the second. A lot of people online like have said, "Oh, Infinity War is a better film." In a lot of ways it is because it's, again, it's showing our heroes losing and the emotional impact of that. Whereas Endgame is them very predictably winning. And a lot of the losses they make in the first one are eradicated in the second one. Or- we even get Loki back because because they make the second one about time travel. We get a second chance at Gamora. We get a second chance at Loki. We get all of our blipped friends back. You know, a lot of the stakes other than... Um, Tony you know obviously, yeah we lose captain america we lose iron man and we lose black widow um which is uh, the worst i, I uh, that's actually probably my main problem with these two films yeah sorry to like get back into it after we've uh done the ratings but they do her so wrong by killing her off in endgame yeah it was a very and, touching like, oh, scene, though. posthumously we're gonna get yeah. we're gonna give her our own film yeah it's like that just sucks she wasn't yeah. done well enough as the only female Avenger for, like, two movies. She wasn't done well enough in this series, and she shouldn't have been killed off. But, yeah. again, very moving scene. Really liked it.
1: Yeah. Um. So, what are we going to be watching next week, Laura? Uh,
0: Next week, we're upping it again, guys. We we did a double bill this week. We're doing a triple bill next week. We're doing the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah. So expect another uh, loosey-goosey kind of... Episode where we just talk about our favorite bits.
1: Yeah, I I think we'll probably talk about our favorite bits from favorite and least favorite bits from each film, and then you know, it probably had a bit more. We'll try sense.
0: and give it more structure than we did this one, but uh I think we just assume that everybody knows the Avengers canon well enough to bear with us.
1: Oh yeah, we just don't have the time for all the content. We
0: just don't have time for the content. Just yeah. we love these movies. We are aware that Disney is an evil corporation. Thank you for listening.
1: Have a good week. Have a good week. Bye.
0: Music was Potato Deal by Craig MacArthur.
1: The photo used for our cover is by Rodolfo Clicks.
0: Audio editings by Ryan DeRogers, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges.
1: Find us on Twitter at all's fair podcast, on Instagram at all's fair and love and film, or email us at allsfairlovinfilm at gmail.com.